Welcome to the Out of the Ordinary Podcast. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. Some of my favorite ordinary things are homegrown flowers, strawberry jam, and old books with someone else's notes in them. And some of mine are hot tea, always with milk and sugar, a good movie, my mom's hand-me-down books, and Sunday afternoon naps. This is the podcast where we believe that the best stories grow out of ordinary life. Get comfy. Here we go. So I don't know if our listeners realize this, but when we record these podcasts, I actually travel about, usually it's an hour and 15 minutes, but today it took me two because DC traffic, unpredictable, to your house to record. And I often just think to myself, it is like a little mini vacation for my soul to come up here because I get to leave behind the routine. Uh, I'm glad you feel that way because I sometimes wonder or I feel badly like, oh, it's an extra burden on you to have to drive all this way. (laughs) No, it's like running away from home and Uh, you're allowed to do it. It's so great. (laughs) So I left behind, you know, a dishwasher with dishes that have to be unloaded, kids who have to be at sports, you know, Pete's there, obviously. And actually his dad's in town this week. So it worked out really great for us. So grandpa's there to help manage when kids get off the bus and be at the sports practices. And so... But just for me, I realize there is so much that you carry in your head, that mental load of a family that can start to feel so heavy. Mm -hmm. But when I get on the road and the further I drive away from home, because I actually can't, I literally can't do anything about it while I'm here, Mm -hmm. I feel that load drop away. And it's such a relief. It's such a relief, which is why I was chuckling this afternoon as we sat down to record because I was looking at on Instagram we have a hashtag for the podcast out of the ordinary podcast is is the hashtag. Uh-huh. And so it's always fun to see what people are posting there, the pictures they share, what they share about the podcast. And I laughed because I saw this one um, by Blue Cabin Family. And it is literally a photograph of her dishes that have just been washed and that are standing drying next to the Love sink. Love it. <laughs> I was like, oh, that looks like home. <laughs> and she says, listening to out of the ordinary podcast this morning as I wash dishes amidst the cabinetry in process. Listening to this podcast is like a warm hug of spoken words. That might be one of my favorites, a warm hug of spoken words, which is wonderful this morning as I work in the messy middle of so many things. Here's to good podcasts, the messy middle of dreams and piles of clean dishes. Isn't that great? So if you're leaving reviews for us, it doesn't just have to be on iTunes. We love it when you share a little photo, a little snapshot of your real life when we get to peek in. And if you tag out of the ordinary podcast, we'll always see it. Or you can tag me at Lisa Jo Baker. Or me at Christy Purifoy. And preferably both of us and use the hashtag. Why not? Go for the trifecta. (laughs) Then we'll definitely see it. But I just thought it was so appropriate You know, when I think about the conversation we wanted to have today, because a lot of ordinary life can start to make you feel a little bit invisible after a while. I don't know if you have that feeling, but there's something about the routine that can make it hard to remember who you are in the midst of it. I feel like especially as you have kids and then when they get older and you're driving them all over the universe is how it feels to me. (laughs) And the focus shifts more and more to them, to who they are and Mm -hmm. who they're becoming and have to really spend time paying attention to who I am in the midst of all of this, who am I called to be? 
you know, and uh, unpacking my need for affirmation in the midst of all of it, you mm-hmm. know, when you want to grab your teens and be like, why don't you appreciate what I'm doing yeah. for you? Why don't you say the words? So today we wanted to unpack a little bit this idea as we share some of our own stories about what it, how do we handle that feeling of being invisible sometimes in your own ordinary life? And because when it comes to Christy and I, a lot of our shorthand is based on shared books or movies. Mm-hmm. It's how we see the it's how we see the world, like through these glasses yeah. that are books or movies. I was asking her if she had seen the movie that came out recently called The Wife. And I have not, but I've I read about it, and the the idea really intrigued oh, me. So just so I'm phenomenal. glad you've seen it, and you it's can tell us so a little phenomenal. bit about it. So the premise is this: husband and wife, and the husband he's in his seventies. He has he's a you know this incredibly famous author in the U.S., and he has been now nominated to receive the Nobel Prize for Literature, ah. which, as you you know, we all know is amazing. And his wife in this film is played by the amazing Glenn Close. Oh, she's just so good. Phenomenal. I just have to hop in right here yeah. and say, are you going to give anything away? Is I, this I just spoiler? realized I mustn't <laughs> okay. and I won't. Okay. Okay. So I'm not going to give spoilers away. Okay. I'll, I'm just setting up the context. So the movie really unfolds while they're in Denmark. Is that where you go to get your oh, Nobel uh, Prize? Is this bad that I don't know oh this? Dear. I feel you, like it's you Denmark. You do go to some Scandinavian <laughs> country. I cannot remember. I'm going with Denmark. I feel like it's Sweden. Is it Sweden? This is embarrassing. This is so awkward. So we will look it up I'm and put it in the show notes, out, right? <laughs> but we're going to just stay true to the fact that we did not know. But we'll look it up to be sure. <laughs> See who wins, Denmark or Sweden. There you go. Anyway, there they are. And their grown son is with them. And he's also an aspiring author. And so the only part I'm going to reference, and it gives nothing away about the film's plot, is just a conversation that happens. They're in a limo headed to this fancy hobnobby event for the Nobel Prize laureates. And the son is asking for feedback on a recent piece of his own writing from his famous father. Okay. The father, sadly, disdains his son and does not give helpful feedback. And the son storms out, he gets out of the car, you know, storms off to go on his own merry way. And there's this great moment where the husband, the Nobel Prize winner, says to his wife, as she, of course, has given him the eyeball, as we know a mom would be doing in that situation. (laughs) He says of his own son, he shouldn't need my approval to write. Hmm. And she responds, everyone needs approval. Mm. And I paused the movie and typed it out. I'm reading it from my phone, from mm. my notes app, because I was like, ooh, I got to hold on to that. Everyone needs approval. That then sent me on a little treasure hunt as I picked up pieces of clues when I was thinking about this concept of approval, mm-hmm. especially in our everyday lives as we get older. And I was thinking about how in scripture, it's as if I mean, not as if, God does. He acknowledges this need in us for approval. So mm. when you're in the book of Matthew, it's Matthew 25, 23. It's the parable of the servants who've all been given something, mm-hmm. right? Some talent, some portion has been given to them. And when the master comes back and he's assessing how they've done, he says the famous words. And it's, of course, it's Jesus's words. He's telling a story, but it's Jesus's words. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Like, oh. How interesting, right? Well done. It's as if God knows we are wired to need approval. Mm-hmm. Not that approval is wrong, 
But where are we getting approval from, I guess, really is the twist to the story, mm-hmm. why it matters. And so the third piece of my trifecta of this idea of trying to unwind the story of of the invisibility, the so-called invisibility of ordinary life is that my 10-year-old came into my bedroom two nights ago. He plays on a football team that he loves. He absolutely loves football so much, loves it. He's one of the captains of the team. Um, they have had a terrible season. They've lost every single game. You know, Aww. it's bad when my <laughs> husband texted me one Saturday while I was at a different sporting event, texted me and said, it's so great. They are doing so well. At the half, we're only down by 30. Oh, oh. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I know nothing oh, about so sports bad. or football, but yeah, yeah I get bad. that. I get it's that. Really, really bad. So that's been the season. And, but you know, it doesn't mean you practice less. You mm. show up two hours a night, wow. four nights a week, game on Saturday, get there an hour and a half before the game for practice and warm ups. Wow. Now there's a lesson just in what those boys are doing Oof, to work so hard so at their hard. age to go and lose every game. And yet it so still terrible. matters, right? <laughs> well, that's the question. Ah. That is the question Micah walked in and asked me. Okay. He said he came in sweaty right off the field. He's got bruises. I mean, he's got so many bruises all oh. over him from playing a season of football. And he looked at me and he said, and I wrote it down because I wanted to remember it. He said to me, mom, will my team still need me if I'm not there? He didn't say, will they miss me? Because mm-hmm. he's feeling frustrated and disappointed and, you know, he's thinking about what, what will he do differently next year? Should he switch teams? And he said, will my team still need me if I'm not there? It just spoke to me to this underlying ache we all have both to be needed Mm -hmm. as well as recognized and approved of. Mm. It's powerful, right? Mm -hmm. And as a woman, as a mother, and as a wife, I have days where I am washing the dishes and stacking the dishes and driving kids and making lunches. And then the lunches come home and they haven't even eaten them. And I think, why did I get up to (laughs) make this at six in the morning? And I have those questions. If I wasn't here, would they still need me? Would they recognize what I do? Would they approve? Mm. And I just thought that is an interesting conversation to unpack in a podcast that's talking about how it's out of ordinary things Mm -hmm. that significant things grow. Mm -hmm. If we really believe that, how do we respond in those moments where we start to feel invisible because we're on this cycle of what just feels like an ordinary hamster wheel. Hmm. You know, I almost, I don't want to admit to this, but I can relate a little bit to the father character in the mm. film. Who oh. Sounds terrible. <laughs> Not having seen it, but I can relate because I'm realizing as you're sharing the story of your son, I've had that attitude of approval shouldn't matter, right? I shouldn't need that. That's some extra thing. That just like feeds. you've had that for yourself. Yeah, you like mean? I like, thought, well, that's just about my pride, oh, isn't it? Like I shouldn't need approval. Right. Yeah, so I'm not the father in the sense of telling right. other people, you don't need <laughs> approval to do this. You but, feel that way about but yourself. But I have felt that way about myself. I have told right. myself. That is the mess. So what the father says to his son, I have told myself that. Oh, that you shouldn't need approval to write, need, to mother, right. to wife, to whatever. Right. But if this is something as you're saying that that God gives, as our maker gives us. He actually us, gives approval. Right. Yes. Then maybe I need to think a little bit more about that. Maybe there is some genuine need and something good in that that I have not been willing to really consider because I've been so 
Right. Because Concerned you, with, you okay, know, so because what do you do with this? The okay. fact that Jesus, right after he's baptized, when he comes out of the water, what uh-huh. does his father say? This is my son, my beloved son, mm-hmm. with whom I am well pleased. Mm-hmm. Bam. Like mm-hmm. the trilogy of approval. Right. I mean, right? And Jesus receives that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly enough, at that point, Jesus hadn't made his ultimate sacrifice. Like mm-hmm. if you're kind of doing that human thing where we we measure out whether <laughs> yeah. you're entitled to approval Have I yet? this yet. Right. Yeah. Like, theoretically, he hadn't yet. Mm. God is approving of him because why? Because Jesus is God's son. Because of who he is. Because of who he is. Well, actually, and because of who the father is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how powerful is that? And so mm. I have been trying to find a way to knit that into the DNA of my daily rhythm. Yeah. Because... I recognize that I too feel hungry for approval, uh-huh. for validation, for recognition, to know that somebody sees me in my smallest, most insignificant yeah. moments. That's what I think it is for me. That's what I immediately can latch on to. It's the being seen. Mm. And I know, and I can think back, and maybe this is the story I will share. I can think back to a time in my life where I felt unseen My life felt very ordinary, but it wasn't just that my life felt ordinary because I'll be honest, I, not unlike, not like everyone, but I, and there may be others listening who feel this way, I uh, find a lot of joy in the ordinary, quiet moments of everyday life. Mm -hmm. So actually the dishwashing, (laughs) so we use that as a common sort of metaphor in our conversations, but if I'm alone in the kitchen... Maybe there's some music playing mm. or I have the radio on. Washing dishes is, it's so peaceful to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's slow. I can just stand there. I, I am lucky enough to have a window over my kitchen yeah, sink. Yeah, so that I, probably view. has a lot to do with it. So those routine moments of ordinary life aren't as much of a struggle for me as I can understand they might be for some just in their roteness and their everydayness. Right, right. But what is a struggle for me is standing at the kitchen sink, doing those dishes and feeling as if no one sees me, mm. which means that no one knows me. Oh, and I powerful. want more than anything to, right. be, to, be known, to be known, to be seen and to be known. So Lisa Joe, I know I keep coming back to this time in my life as we're sharing stories on this podcast. Maybe at some point in some episode, we will move on. <laughs> but here is another one. And if you have listened to previous episodes, you know, I have shared quite a bit about what was a powerful transition in my life, which is when I finished graduate school, I left the city and I moved with my family away from Chicago and um, to Northern Florida. Mm-hmm. And I think I keep going back to that time because uh, so my ordinary life changed so radically in that season. But one of the things, one of the, the losses that I experienced in that uh, transition, and I've talked about others before. I think I talked in an earlier episode about the loss of community, community that had been such a huge part of our lives in Chicago. But another loss I experienced in that that shift to a new life in Florida was a loss of identity, right? Mm, so right. I was meeting new people in Florida. We were visiting churches. And what do we do when we meet new people? We, we try to introduce ourselves. Maybe some of the usual questions that are asked of us are, you know, after what is your name and where are you from? We say, what do you, what do? You do? Where do you work? Or, you know, questions like right, that. And, right, right. They're, they're really identity questions. They are. Aren't they? They're like trying yeah. to know who you are. Right. Questions. And I, at that point in my life, suddenly didn't have easy answers to those questions. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, a, a few months into our time in Florida, where I had, although I had begun teaching 
um, at a certain point, I took a break from teaching and I wasn't even teaching anymore. So if someone asks me, what do you do? Which I interpret as, who are you? I want right. to see you. What I want you to do? know you? you. Yes. And so I appreciate the question right. because I want to be seen and known. Right. I no longer had an, an easy shorthand answer. So in Chicago, I could say, I'm a student. Right. Or I teach part-time over right. here at this school right. or, right. you know, whatever my answers would be. And it would be one step closer to making my true self visible to this person, yes. right? right? So identity is not just a matter of like false identity, right, but it's, right. it's just all those constructs right. that, you know, we try to like show ourselves to mm-hmm. people and be in relationship with people. Well, all of a sudden here I am in Florida and I don't have those shortcuts, I think of them to, to show myself. And, and then at a certain point, and again, this has come up in previous episodes, I've shared how that was the season where I very slowly started to work towards a whole new identity as a writer. But there was, you know, quite a long time there where I I wasn't writing in any public way. Writing was still a private thing, and I was only writing in a journal. So even though I was beginning to see myself as a writer, something Mm -hmm. I'd never Mm -hmm. imagined before— as I'm meeting new people, I, I couldn't say I'm have, a writer. You didn't have the business card <laughs> no, yet. No, I didn't have the business right, card yet. Right. Exactly. Again, not that we need the right, business card, right. but I wasn't. I it hadn't. I hadn't even journeyed far enough into that dream to be able to tell anyone I see right. myself as a writer. I was still. That was still very much in process. So I had no answer <laughs> to that question. And what I can remember about it is just feeling invisible, mm. feeling as if I was interacting with new acquaintances, neighbors, new friends at church, the parents of the other children, you know, that my children were meeting at school. And I didn't, I felt unseen. Yeah. I felt unseen by them because I didn't have a way to help them no see you. me. Yeah. yeah. And so it wasn't even that I was unhappy being at home doing the dishes, caring Mm -hmm, for my young son. mm -hmm. I I wasn't. I wasn't. I was quite satisfied with a a slower, quieter pace of life. But I was very unhappy to be so invisible. That's so interesting. Because I think part of this conversation about significance, identity, being known, sometimes I think we're limited to in English and how the words we're trying to use to capture this sense of loss, because that's, I think, what it is you're describing, mm-hmm. because it feels like a miss somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Someone mm-hmm. doesn't have this from me. Um, so my husband, Peter, teaches political science, and he often quotes from really from the roots of Judaism, what we've inherited into Christianity when we try to understand certain words. Okay, And so coming out of the Hebrew, the word knowledge mm-hmm. implies actually a relational dynamic uh, like you're right. describing, mm-hmm. right? So it's one of my favorite things that I've learned from him. And he always says a Hebrew understanding of what it means to know somebody, uh-huh. right? When we talk about knowledge, it says that knowledge of someone means responsibility to someone, which implies care for someone. So, to be known in its essence means to be cared for. Oh, Lisa Jo. Beautiful. (laughs) So beautiful. (laughs) To be loved. And what could be more ordinary than the caring for others? Yes. And so, when we take time to know someone, Mm -hmm. what we're doing is saying, not just I want to know you intellectually, Mm -hmm. it's saying I want to have an opportunity to care for you. Mm -hmm. So, when I think about my son Micah saying to me, Will they still need me Mm -hmm. when I'm not there? 
I think he's implying, will will my presence be missed? Will there be loss? Will they come and f- will they come and want to care for me in that way? Still, right? There's that essential need to be loved, seen, and cared for, to be invited into someone else's story, and to be able to invite them into your story. And I think it's one of the most powerful things about a God who we believe individually knows each of us mm-hmm. because it implies in this Hebrew understanding of the word knowledge to have responsibility for us, but also to care for us. And so when someone, when you couldn't find a way for people to know you, mm-hmm. part of that loss is there isn't a way for them to care for you. Wow. I think that's so true. I obviously could not have articulated that at the time, but I recognize that. Absolutely. And I think maybe it's part of what a lot of women, especially moms with young kids, struggle with because we want to have time to connect. We want to be known because implicitly what we really need is to be cared for (laughs) in practical ways, you know, Mm -hmm. bring over food, watch my kid for half an hour so I can take a nap, you know, invite me out for Starbucks, you know, babysit so I can take a shower. Those are all acts of caring Mm -hmm. for somebody. And we start to feel invisible if we haven't found an avenue to invite people into that kind of dynamic. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think the ordinariness and the struggle with invisibility is dissipated when I invite people to actually know me. So, okay, this is a very esoteric conversation. (laughs) What does that look like on a practical level, right? So here's a great example. So my friend Amy, who I know is probably listening to this podcast. Hi, Amy. (laughs) She has this great bumper sticker on her car that says chicken lady. You would really like her. I love that. Oh, I want one. There is chickens. It's ask, so her, ask her where she got it. I will. Okay. It's so great. She has a t-shirt of like this chicken. It's so awesome. Anyway, she has three daughters and I have one daughter. And so my daughter basically wants to be part of their family because her goal in life is to have sisters. <laughs> so Amy was coming by to pick up Zoe so Zoe could hang out with her daughters that day. And we did that thing moms do. Like you have your kids still, they're all strapped in their car seats and it's a big schlep to get them out of their car seats and in the house and pick up some other kid and then strap everybody back in. So Amy had all of her kids just strapped in the car. Mm-hmm. I ushered Zoe out. And then we did that thing where you stand in the doorway yeah. and you're, you're trying not to have a conversation because you know <laughs> you both have to leave. But the more you talk, the more you realize you need to have a conversation because that's oh, yeah. both what you need. And I hadn't seen her for a while. And the more we talked, the more I realized, wait a minute, like, I don't know what's going on with Amy right now. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know. We're doing that thing where we're trying to speed date a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what we actually need is a conversation because I need to know her so I can know how to care for her mm-hmm. and what's going on in her life. And so I finally was like, wait, dude, unbuckle the kids and oh, come in. Come in. <laughs> I will make you coffee. <laughs> and so I made her coffee in my new favorite mugs that are all white with their pretty white hand lettering that I finally gave in and got myself when I turned 40. And <laughs> We sat over coffee and ginger snap cookies, and I remembered what it's like to know a friend who I hadn't seen for a little while. It takes time, right? We had to pause in our day, and she shared with me. And when someone does that, when they open the front door to what's actually going on with them, it's like seeing them in Technicolor, right? You mm-hmm. actually see them mm-hmm. then. And it it helps you understand how then to care for them. And once Amy did that and opened her door, I could do the same and say, this is what's going on with me. Here's what I'm struggling with right now while we're drinking coffee and our kids are running around the backyard and I'm hoping no one will fall in a fish pond. <laughs> oh, gosh. Which is always <laughs> a fear when the littles are over. But... 
that moment of of mutual knowing and that small stolen 15 minutes, mm-hmm. right, of coffee and cookies created in us then the rest of the week a deep sense of security again in that friendship. I didn't feel invisible at all, even though a large part of my days is spent at home because I don't work out of the house. I work full time, but I'm at home. I'm alone and it's easy to feel invisible. But because Amy knew me that day, Mm. I felt seen. And so fast forward to that Sunday in church, we were having just a really beautiful time of worship in church and Amy sits downstairs with her family and I sit upstairs in the balcony. And the next thing I know, she's coming up into the balcony and she just pointed right at me and she said, this is for you. And they were having a time of prayer up at the front and I was like, what? And she's like, it's about you. This is for you. Come oh, with me and wow. drag me down to the front and prayed over me. What care? What I'm, care? Right? <laughs> so knowledge of yeah. leads to responsibility for, oh, to care wow. for. Wow. So Amy's knowledge of me led her to take responsibility to actually act in that moment yeah. and then to lay hands and pray over me and show me such tender, tender mm. care. And I think that that right there is a way of seeing our lives really with sort of spiritual 4D, like not even 3D. We have an enemy who wants to convince us that we are invisible, that our lives are meaningless, that they are just rote, that mm. there's nothing significant about us. But we actually have a father who is telling us at every turn, well done, well done, Mm. I see you, well done, good, faithful mother, daughter, son, you know, aunt, Mm. sister-in-law, Bible study, girlfriend, well done how you did that. And he's waiting to affirm us. And I think if we are waiting for him to affirm us on a big stage, then we miss out on sort of these daily affirmations he sows in through friends or something a child mm. says or someone who's willing to take time to have coffee with us or pray for us in a church service. Wow. It's yeah. to me those small moments that God knits into a lifetime that are the kinds of approval that can change the story of how you see yourself. Oh gosh, that's so good because of course we cannot live, no matter what our jobs are or what we're called to do, we cannot live our lives on a stage. Right, it's impossible. Even if we occasionally step up on a stage, we don't live there. Right. (laughs) That isn't every day. And that approval isn't real in many ways Mm. because the people don't know you. Right. Right? Like actual approval and care has to be born out of a true knowledge. Mm. And you only get that, wait for it, spoiler alert, in your ordinary life with your (laughs) ordinary people. They are the ones who really know you. Wow. And so that's the lie of the enemy, I think, that Oh, you're, oh, it's so ordinary. You don't have a million Instagram followers. You're not doing that ad campaign. You're not writing that book. You didn't get that promotion. Oh, shame. Mm. No, no, no. Guess what? Newsflash, you have many ordinary people in your life, including your own children and your husband, your next door neighbor, the weird lady who talks too much at the bus stop. I mean, these are the people who see you day in and day out. And I think, I believe if we pay attention, we will be surprised And how many times in the course of a day we are affirmed by the people who actually know Mm. us the best? Wow. I feel like I want to, as I head into tomorrow, another ordinary day, Mm -hmm. I think what I'm going to do is just tell myself as I move from task to task, this is what matters. Oh, I like that. This is what matters. Because my brain is always way out there. It is always already Tonight, tomorrow, next week, next month, that's what matters. That's what matters. I think I just want to say this. 
right here is what matters. That ties into a book I actually gave you to read that I know you really liked too by my favorite British author. His name is Adrian Plass. We'll put it in the show notes. And he has this phenomenal book called The Shadow Doctor. It's oh, yeah, so yeah. good. But he has this moment in the book where he's teaching kind of a young up and coming I guess spiritual director is maybe a yeah. word that would make sense for what what he does in the lives of people. But he's telling this young man that this young man is really annoyed because they are looking for parking because they have this important meeting that they have to go to. And the shadow doctor, as he's pulling into a parking spot, there's a woman pulling out and they end up having this conversation that takes a really long time. And the young associate is very annoyed because now they're late for their very important meeting that they I have to I would be to totally to. annoyed. <laughs> yes, right? And he's sort of confronting the shadow doctor about it. And the doctor says to him, the most important person is the one you're talking to right now. And so I, it's really changed how I think about my life right now. Like the most important person is the one who happens to be in front of you right now. Because mm-hmm. guess what? You got an opportunity. There it is. God has crossed your paths and he's given you an opportunity to spend time with them and to know them, to see them, take responsibility for them and to care for them. And I really do believe that's how we push back against the lie somehow that ordinary life makes us invisible. Mm-hmm. 